Hey fam, welcome to the Still Coloring Podcast with Tony Collier. I am your host, Tony Collier, and each series we lean into the stories of women and men that uncover their brokenness and practically show us all how they've rebuilt their lives with hope and grit. Come on, come on, let's lean in. Hey friends, it's Tony Collier and I am so proud, so incredibly proud to announce that this season of the Still Coloring Podcast is sponsored by Bark Technologies. One of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made as a parent is not taking technology and its dangers seriously. I mean, y'all already know our kids are being exposed to some incredibly horrific things. However, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably heard a little bit about my journey and my partnership with them. I did some research on Bark Technologies through the help of my amazing Instagram community, and it has been incredible. They have been helping me navigate this world for technology for my daughter, Dylan, and one day, my little baby boy, Sammy. And as you probably know, technology can be a major contributor to mental health issues in our little kids today. So, Thank you, Bark, for sponsoring this season as we discuss little kids with big feelings. Keep listening. You'll hear a little bit more about Bark Technologies later. Hey, guys, it's Tony Collier with another episode of the Still Coloring Podcast, and we got our girl Sissy Goff on, who is an actual national treasure when it comes to kids and processing their big feelings. She's just good. I mean, she's dropped so many nuggets in this episode. It's one of those ones that you're going to come back to and listen over and over and over again, because not only does she have inspiration for us, but she's got practical steps to help us as parents process our feelings, but then also to help our littles process theirs as well. I hope you tune in. I really do hope that you share this episode with someone who really, really needs it. So check it out and I'll see you there. We are on another episode of the Still Coloring Podcast, fam. Well, I'm so excited because on this episode, I have the chills. It just ran through my body just now. I don't know what that is, but I'm excited about it. It may be that donut I just ate, but also it may be the fact that we have Sissy Golf on the podcast. And <laughs> oh, I think it's a donut. <laughs> you think it's a sugar rush? That I, yeah. <laughs> it just literally, I mean, it's like I can feel it in my toes. Sissy, I'm so excited. Like, I think that here's a couple, like some context and some background. I've been following you. I'm like, oh, I'm listening to the things. I'm like raising boys and girls. Here we go. I am looking at the podcast. I'm doing all the things. And I remember getting you on the podcast, booking you. And I started telling my friends, I was like, oh, man, I'm so excited. I've got this podcast season coming up. And they're like, who do you have on it? I'm like, I've got Sissy Goff. I've got, they're like, oh, wait a minute. They were like, that's going to be the best interview you've ever done. I was like, Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. My friend That's Jamie. Some pressure tone. Yeah. My friend Jamie was like, girl, it's gonna be good for your audience, but really it's gonna be for you. This is just is like a free counseling session for you. I'm like, oh snap. <laughs> um, but that's how they've all been. And it's it's cool because I know I have a large demographic of parents, both moms and dads, who are just we're really just doing our best. And it feels right. like we are clawing our way through the valleys of parenting. And here's what I would say. Here's my prayer for this episode. I hope that after these 30 somewhat minutes, we would maybe stop believing that we always have to claw our way and that there can be some brighter days. I think that's like my hope that like with this conversation, what we talk about, the resources and the strategies that we discuss, maybe for some of us will be like, I feel a little bit more hopeful about parenting. So I sure believe it. That's my hope. Sissy, can that's you That's what you're doing anyway, oh, Tony. That- 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Sissy, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us what you do for the people out there that's like, what? Sissy Goff, a parenting expert, down for the cause. Tell them all about what you do <laughs> and maybe a few nuggets about um, what we're going to be talking about. Yes, I am. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, where I have been counseling kids and families for 30 years. Oh, my God. Which is wild. And really grateful to do it at this amazing place called Daystar Counseling, where we are in a little yellow house with a white picket fence. Come on. And I get to take my dog to work every day, which is a great part of what I do. We have five dogs on staff and I think 2,000 families that are coming to Daystar currently. And so out of that counseling work, I have gotten to write some books and have my own podcast and get to travel and speak and meet families and just trying to help as much as I can, because you're right. It, I don't think it is. I don't think it's ever harder to be a kid, but I don't think it's ever harder to be a parent, at least in the 30 years I've been counseling. And so I'm really excited to get to talk with you and yeah. for us to figure out how to help in both places. Mm, that's so good. Well, you have come out with a lot of books and you've got this new book called The Worry-Free Parent. And let me just tell you, it's one of those books that like, I got it in the mail, I opened up my little package and I slid it out and I almost had this like moment of defeat. I was like, is this true? Like, is this real? Can we actually parent without worrying? And I'm excited for this conversation, these solutions, because I I really believe we can. And that glimmer of hope like welled up in me. And I'm like, no, this is possible. Like we can do this. And so I think my first question is around that worry and concern. And I think for many of us, especially us millennials who were raised by a generation or even the generations before us, who were raised by a generation that, you know, maybe labeled feelings as excuses, maybe labeled a counseling office as like a taboo place. And for many of us, we numbed. And I think that's a valid concern for parents. Let's talk a little bit about what the generations before us got wrong. Sissy, what Mm -hmm. do you think? I, Tony, I love that you're talking about that because you're right. I mean, we, (laughs) we, everywhere we go, we take feelings charts and we joke about how none of us were passing feeling starts around our dinner Zero. tables. Yep. But the importance of, I mean, it's why I love what you're doing. We need to be talking about our feelings. We need to be asking the kids we love about their feelings because what happens when we don't, I mean, obviously we know later on it can create substance abuse. It can create depression. The, you know, the statistics on, on anxiety that are going through the roof, suicide, so many different things when we're not talking about those. But I mean, I've been doing this deep dive on anxiety lately. And at this point, it's one in three kids with girls twice as likely as boys. But it's also one in three adults with women twice as likely. And and it's fascinating because one of the things I realized sitting with kids is every single kid I've ever met who's anxious is really bright. Yeah, really conscientious. They care so much. They try so hard. And And I believe the same is true about parents. And so anxiety is the most prevalent disorder right now, but it's also the most treatable. So you're right. There's so many good things we can do quickly to change the game for all of us. Gosh, I love that so much. I I love this balance. I feel like a lot of your content is very well balanced. It's like reality, truth, like we have to name it. We're doing our best to just be direct. But then there's also this like glimmer of hope. And I just feel like you eloquently did that just now in the answer. It's like, this is real. These are the facts. One in three. Like, that's a real big statistic that could maybe crush some people. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, I could maybe expect my child to have anxiety. I could maybe expect myself as a parent to have anxiety. 
However, because those things are real and because now I think a whole generation's getting good at naming it, hello somebody. Yes. Um, I think we've come up with some more solutions. Okay. So let me ask you this. One more hard question, I would say, and then we'll move into okay. all the glory and the hope. Um, what's at stake here? What's at stake when we don't utilize resources like counseling, when we don't ask our kids to name their feelings, when we don't lean into the really hard? What's at stake for us as parents? Well, I think when we are not doing our own work, it will inevitably ripple over into the lives of our kids. And and That's good. I I believe, too, the way you talk to yourself will become the way you talk to them without doing the work. And so, you know, the amazing thing, we are equipped now. I, our parents didn't have a clue. I mean, when I was growing up, there was one parenting book, and I think all it said was smile at your baby a lot, <laughs> you know? Just show and them so, that you're happy even when you're not. Right, That's it. Uh-huh. right, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And now I think we're so much better equipped But I think it's easy for parents right now to feel overwhelmed by being so equipped and overwhelmed by all the things we feel that we often don't trust our own guts, that we get kind of, it it can be debilitating. Like what did that post say? You know, like in the middle, let me go back to that post, that saved Instagram post. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's one thing I want parents to hear so strongly is when we can quiet the voice of worry and learn to trust our guts and believe that the Holy Spirit's leading our guts, you got this as a mom. Like, you know what you're doing. Trust yourself. Wait, okay, you just said something that gave me chills a little bit. You said, um, when we can learn to quiet the voice of worry, how do we do that? Well, I think first it's recognizing it because often worry and anxiety feel like good parenting because to be a parent, you have to be vigilant, but it so easily crosses over into hypervigilance. And so, so I have three questions I would ask parents to figure out, is this the voice of worry or is this the voice of just being a good mom or a good dad? And one is, is the thought circular or linear? Are you with kids? I call it the one loop roller coaster at the fair. You know, we have this (laughs) intrusive worst case scenario thought that comes in and it gets stuck. So are you stuck in this looping thought or is it moving you toward action first? Is it circular or linear Two. Is your emotion as a result of that thought bigger than the situation warrants? Because. Because I'm dramatic. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Got it. You're, you're passionate. Let's say it that way. You're Thank passionate. Thank you. Thank you. Mom. Yes. And number three, is it causing you to be more possessive with the kids you love? To hold tight? The two most common parenting strategies in light of anxiety are escape and avoidance. So. We rescue them. And that is the opposite. They need to learn to do the hard things. And so is it causing you to be possessive or progressive where you're letting them move forward and develop resilience and independence with your help? Oh, because you can do it. They can do it. I got convicted on that third one, that possessive one that you said, but we're going to keep it going. It's fun. <laughs> Everything's good. I'm going to pray and process that. I'll ask it for myself later. <laughs> Um, okay, here's one of the things that you say. We say you say we need to connect with our kids more than we correct them. I just I essentially am picking the quotes that you said that convict me. Okay, and hopefully <laughs> the people that are listening get something out of it too. I just I'm a lecturer. I know that I am. I feel like I spend more time correcting than connecting, and I really don't know how to get that out out of that rat race. Like I just I'm like, well, I have to. I'm her mom. But it's so hard for me to connect. Can you talk a little bit about how we get out of this rat race of correcting all the time and balance it out with connecting? 
Well, I, I mean, to remember that one of the things happening when we spend time with kids and we're looking them in the eye and we're enjoying them is for one thing, their brains are lit- literally growing new neural pathways. They're learning self-regulation just by connecting emotionally with us is an important wow. thing. Wow. But also in this day and time, I, I just don't think kids have ever had as many knocks against their self-confidence. And so when we are delighting in kids, when we're playing with them, we're engaging with them, we are building so much into their confidence and who they are, which is really important. And I think when we're, I think often when we're correcting them, it's out of this sense of they're going to miss it. Yeah. They're not going to know what's, yeah. you know they, know, they don't know what they need. It's back to that anxious place for us. Instead of realizing a lot of the work is kids learning to connect the dots on their own. And so I will say to parents a lot, I want you to, well, two primary things. One is I want you to think about letting the bottom 20% go. So what are the 10 things that you're battling with them the most? Yeah. And how can you pick the bottom two and not just stop trying to fix it or correct it, but stop talking about it? Number one. And number two, how can you have more empathy and questions? That sounds so hard. What do you want to do about it? What do you think is the right thing? Because when we ask questions, we're implying that we believe they're capable. Oh, we are. Well, that's so good. I'm like literally thinking about every conversation I have with my daughter just yesterday. And I'm like, (laughs) did I do that? You know, it's and I think that's like one of the things that we battle with as parents. Like, I feel like for a lot of us, we're always looking back. And I think that's one of the things that drive our anxiety as parents is like we're always looking back at that thing that we said. How bad did they met that that messed them up? How many counseling sessions is going to come out of what I did to them? Mm-hmm. You know, and I just wonder to see what your thoughts are on, you know, those of us that are just so concerned and anxious about the past mistakes that we've made as we're on this journey to be better parents. What would you say to us? <laughs> oh, I would say I'm so grateful that they're listening to your podcast because you're right. I mean, in all these years of doing this work, I've never sat with as many parents who feel like failures. And when I was doing the research for this book, one of the things that I heard repeatedly, which I think is fascinating is attachment theory, which obviously we know is a big part of counseling. I've got a zero out of 10 on that right now. (laughs) But do you know what they say? Attachment theorists say that good parents get it right. 50% of the time. Girl, 50 I'm killing it. 50. I'm crushing it. That's what it takes for your child in their infancy when their brain is growing faster than any other window of development. You only need to get it right 50% of the time. And that's in this really most important season of their brain development. So you know it's true for the rest, 50%. And if you're listening to this parenting podcast, you're getting it right more than 50% of the time. If you have a parenting podcast, <laughs> you're working you hard and you're trying. Yes. That's really, You're getting really it right good. more than 50%. Oh, uh, okay. So what do we do about all this information? It's like, it's good stuff, right? But I do feel like it's feeding our anxiety as parents. I'm like, did I Montessori this enough? Like, oh, are the toys too <laughs> colorful? Someone like, That's do I so have the good. right size shelf? Like, is he able yes. to- pick up his own toys, you know, like I just I'm sure there's a balance. How do we filter all this? How do we exist with all this information? I really feel like it is wise for parents to pick a couple of voices, Tony's being one, that you trust in this space. And and don't don't follow 500 parenting people. It's just we all have different opinions. And so pick the ones that you trust their voice the most and then 
let the rest go. And I really do think today connecting with your kids and enjoying them is the most important thing we can do besides doing our own work. Okay, I, I, I had like a more serious question, but I just want to ask this question for the parents out there that have been forced to play with Barbie dolls and trucks. Um, <laughs> Sissy, I'm going to be 100% with you. I don't like to. Please. I don't want to play yeah. with them Barbie dolls. I don't want to pretend to be Ken every time. I, I'm like, why can't I be <laughs> one of the other Barbie dolls? Why do I have to be the guy? I don't understand. And I just have a real hard time connecting because the way that my daughter connects as a child is just so different than the way that I connect with other adults. Like, what right. do we need to do? Are we just like sticking it out and kind of being irritated a little bit? Like, what do we, what do, we do to connect with them? Well, I, I think part of it might be lowering the pressure you feel on the amount of time you need to connect with them. Because I think even 10 minutes a day is of a just one-on-one. -on -one, Sissy, yeah, this is saving time. me right now. This is saving <laughs> I'm so me. Glad. Well, you're having tons of time with them. But just that focused on the floor or sitting in the chair next to them, engaging 10 minutes, I think is a game changer. And so That's amazing. But I would say, yes, at every stage of their development, we need to be a student of what they love because that's really an inroad into their heart and connecting with them. So Barbies or video games are the things you don't care about. And yes, because it's changing. It's right. changing because we I mean, I did have a we had a Barbie stint last year and I was like, I can't do this anymore. But I was doing 30 <laughs> minutes, sissy. And I, when I could have been like, oh, my gosh, 10 yeah. minutes can't even wait. Can't even wait for our little 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. And I was doing 30. Ah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's really, really good. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about this as well because one of, the, one of the things you said was that there's we all had different opinions. And right. one of the things that I struggled with a whole bunch is like sleep training. Oh, my goodness. Yes. When I was... When I had my daughter, who's nine years old, way back then, didn't nobody care what you were doing with your kid? They're just like, <laughs> is she sleeping or not? Nah? Like, that was it. Right. And then for my son, oh, my goodness. There were sleep pods. I don't even know what those little things are called. Bassinets that essentially raised your kid for you. Like, so many <laughs> different things. And I remember feeling so absolutely overwhelmed. And I just want to nod to what you said. Pick a few voices. I picked a voice. They'll actually be on the podcast this season. And I was like, okay, I can't. Like some people telling me, write it out. Your baby don't need a schedule. My brain is like, well, everybody else in the world is on a schedule. Why do these little tiny humans don't need to be on a schedule? There's all these different opinions. And I stuck to one voice about how they did it. And I followed it. And let me just say that my eight-week-old slept from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. and has not ever missed a night. Wow. So I know. Way to go. Okay, some That's sort of sorcery. Awesome. It's been amazing. But I think you're right. It did ease my anxiety. I was like, I don't know yeah. what schedule to go with. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. Sleep it out for, I mean, cry it out for how long? What do I do? And, and look what's happening to you. You're not trusting look, your voice anymore. And I'm not trusting my it's voice anymore. It's not just, I don't know who to follow, but it's, I don't even know what my own opinion is. Rather than trust your gut. I mean, your gut as a mother is your superpower. Yeah. Like that is a place God has gifted you so much. And that's the problem. All the... People we amass that are the experts we amass, all of a sudden we can't find our own voice. If you are a parent or a caregiver today, you know just how hard it can be raising kids in the digital age. The struggle is real, y'all. When it comes to balancing screen time, keeping kids safe from dangerous websites and all the countless other threats out there, y'all know it can be a challenge. And it's hard to know where to start. 
The Bark Phone is the answer parents have been looking for. It was built by a dad of two looking to keep his own kids safe online. And let me tell you, the reviews are popping. As a Bark Phone parent, you manage literally everything your child can do on their device, from who they can text, what apps they can download, and even when they can use them. The best part of this is that it's all customizable. If your child is young, you can block everything and just allow text and talk. As they get older, you can gradually add in games, apps, social media if you want, and you can scale back at any time too, if your kid just needs a little breather. Now, Bark's technology can also scan text messages, emails, other apps, social media, and alerts you to potential dangers like bullying, online predators, sexting, suicidal ideation, and so much more. For peace of mind, when your child is out and about, you can also use Bark's GPS location tracking to keep an eye on them. Not in the market for a new kid's phone, but still interested in keeping your kids safer online. Bark also has a safety app that you can put on iPhones, Androids, Chromebooks, iPads, and even Kindles. So here's what I want you to do. Check out Bark technology for your family. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. I'm going to say that one more time. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. Listen, you will not regret protecting your kids. Okay, what do you say to the person? For for many of us, um, we don't talk about this a lot. It's a taboo topic. It's not fatherhood wounds, but for many of us, it's motherhood wounds, right? Like my mom was really sick growing up. And unfortunately, she just could not provide the care and attention and physical presence that she would have liked to. She was paralyzed for a little while. Then there was seizures and anxiety attacks and all the things. Really, really difficult. Um, And I think that I go to all of these voices and get all this information and order all these books because I'm so afraid of my own inadequacies because of what I didn't have. Yes. What do you say to the mom who's like, well, I just didn't have the model. How can I trust my instinct? I feel like I just, I never saw it. I don't really know how to replay. Or I did see it and I saw it really abusive or, you know, verbally abusive or really wrong. How do I get it right now when I didn't have that example? Well, I mean, I still would say, pray like crazy that the Holy Spirit's going to lead your gut. I'm but on. I, I also think if that, I mean, there is a couple that I meet with regularly and they're doing an amazing job as parents and they did not have any role model. And so they come in to meet with me just to say, we just want somebody to bounce things off of to say, you're doing great. And mm. I think if you need another voice, like That's a therapist good. in your life or or an older person that can mentor you that you that has already raised kids and you could say, hey, does this sound like it makes sense? You know, I, I think it it is brilliant to have that kind of, again, one or two other voices in our lives. And yeah. And I think it's even good to model for the kids we love. I have um, to ask for help too. I have to ask for help too. Look at me. Really for you. And don't do it like in a pompous way because I sometimes want to tell my daughter, I just want you to know that I just invested $175 in counseling session for your behind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I do want to say that, but I do not say that. <laughs> okay. Um, here's something that you said that I really love. It's You said worry criticizes us. It condemns us. It lies to us. It limits us. And it prevents us from being the parents that we truly long to be. And I love the the second line that you said. You said, I'm mad about it. You're like, as a counselor, I am just so mad. I, I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. Like, I just mm. am my biggest critic. And yeah. I don't know how to shake that off every day. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. What do we do about that? 
You know, I have a whole chapter in the book called Try Softer because I had a conversation with a dear friend who said that to me in that beautiful Try Softer. And, and I think to get to a place where we can try softer, where we can say that was good enough, because those of us who have that critical voice in our heads, we're putting out 175%. Like, it's beyond the norm. <laughs> Nine times out of 10, we really are. Yeah. Seriously. That's and so, funny. Tony, if you were to rein that in and you were to shoot for 80%, it would be a beautiful thing. And you'd be knocking it out of the park. And so, even to think about how can I just let good enough be enough yeah. and start to give myself more grace. Uh, there's an author I like named Richard Rohr, and he said... We grow more by getting it wrong than by getting it right. Oh, snap. I don't like that, but it's so good. It's so true. And so how can we start to say, I also talk about having more oops than shoots instead of like, shoot, I messed that up. Like, okay, oops. That was, that was a mistake. I'm see, I love that. Oops. Well, I'm trying to learn it too, but. I'm going to say that to myself one day. Oops. We just, <laughs> well, just. Didn't get that one right, girlfriend. I can't even imagine right. myself giving me a pass like that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to promise myself that this weekend I'm going to say oops more than shoots. Yes. Good. I love that. That's I want to hear so how it good. goes. Okay. I will. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll post about it on the Instagrams. Okay. Um, okay. So here's another thing that I've um been wrestling with and trying to figure out how to talk about. And it's parents that have kids with disabilities, uh, behavioral challenges, um, kids with Down syndrome. Like it's, it's just... It's it's so delicate and it's such a dance and how we talk about it. I've you know, I'm just such a huge advocate of vulnerability. But for my daughter, there's a lot of parts of her story that it's that are not mine to tell. And I just wonder what you would say to the parent who really wants to talk about that. Is that counseling? Mm. Can we have conversations with other friends? How do we honor children in their struggles, but also like have safe spaces where we can be honest as parents, about how hard it is. It is hard. It is yes. hard. Yes. How do we have those conversations? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're thinking that way. And, yeah. and and that it's both. That, of course, you need to process and you want to honor her story. And there are parts of it that aren't yours to tell. And so, I mean, I think it's all those things. I think it's picking one or two friends that you feel like are really safe, that you trust, that they're not going to try and step in and give you all the answers because none of us have walked in someone else's shoes. But they're going to do a lot of listening and a lot of cheering you on and a counselor that can. I mean, I had a mom come in. I've never had a parent say this. And she said, I'm going to tell you where I want this counseling session to go. And oh. I want you to tell me two things by the end of this, which I loved it. And she said, I want you to tell me that what I'm feeling normal is and that I'm doing a good job. And I think that is so much of what I do in my day is say to parents, what you're feeling is normal and you're doing great. And so if if you have to pay someone to, to be a totally neutral party that can say that and help give you some more practical tools, too. But but I think it's so important. You've got to. What I mean, what you said is so true. Parenting a child with special needs, whatever those look like. Yeah. Is really hard and it's really isolating and you need somebody to be able to carry the load with you. Yeah. I just want to affirm like the friend thing. It's so interesting that you said that because. I've got a, my best friend, Ashley. She is incredible. She has walked with me for a very long time through all the ups and downs of my daughter. And literally the other day, yesterday, I text her about it and she sent me a voice note back and she was like, okay, so what do you guys think we're going to do? What do you think about school? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm listening to it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't even really thought about all those things about 
30 seconds later, she sends me another voice note and goes, I'm so sorry. Like, I guess, I don't know. I was, I'm, I'm on your team and I really want the best for her. And I think I just like dove straight in and was asking all these questions that you probably don't have any answers to. And I just want to say like, I'm sorry, this is hard. And I, what an amazing I, yeah, friend. I know. And it just yeah. dawned on me because I'm like, we do need those friends because a lot of the people that we're talking to as parents with kids uh, with special needs, parents of, parents of kids with special needs, we're talking to behavioral therapists, we're talking to psychiatrists and psychologists and school sure. counselors, and those conversations are not, you're doing a good job. They are, what are we <laughs> going to do? How are we going to do this? Dosages, yeah. da, 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 all these things. And we do need those people that'll just say, I'm just like here and I support you and I want the best for your kid. And to hear that there is another human being who wants what you want, it almost feels like sharing the weight of parenting, if that makes oh, sense. It's like, yes, it's I can give a little bit of it. my worry to her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And she can with carry it village. with me. And she can carry yeah. it with me. I just want to affirm that. Shout out to Ashley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, way to go, Ashley. Way to go, Ashley. You're doing your thing. Um, okay, I want to talk about like shifts in parenting a little bit. So I, mm-hmm. I kind of sort of am in this weird place where I have a one-year-old and then a nine-year-old, which, ooh, <laughs> that gap, I don't feel it right yes. now, but I feel like one day I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel you that are. eight-year gap. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah. I love how you whisper But it's it. going to be helpful too. Maybe. But it's going to be, oh, oh, she's a yeah. little mama. She is a little mama <laughs> to her little brother, honey. Um, but one of the things that I've been concerned about, maybe not worried about, are these like ge- these generational shifts, I guess you would call it, in the way that I parent. So obviously the way that I parent my one-year-old is very different from the way that I'm parenting my nine-year-old. And she notices it, right? Like she's just like, oh, you are just like so sweet to Sammy and you give him so many hugs. I want more hugs, which we enforce the 10 second hug rule. And that's awkward. I want to be honest about that. It's very weird, (laughs) but it's very helpful to my daughter. How do we as parents keep up with the way that we generationally shift through their ages? My daughter's nine. I'm sure there's some things that I should be doing different now. I don't know what those are. Can you talk a little bit about how our parenting changes and how we navigate that over time? Yeah, I mean, that's a great way to say it, the generational shifting, because it does. I mean, it time changes, you change, especially when there's that kind of gap in the years, because hopefully we're all learning and growing more every single year. And so you're going to have more and different things to bring to the table as you get older. You're going to be more laid back about certain things. So I think that's a part of it. I think that's good. gender is a part of it. I think moms and girls, dads and boys, moms. And I mean, there are some things that come up. Yes. In those unique situations. And so, I mean, I just think always keeping in mind to say, I think it's great when parents say to the older one, you know, there is not a guidebook on this and we are figuring it out and we're sorry. We're figuring it out with you. We love you. We're doing the best we know how. And, and I mean, that on one hand, and on the other hand, that whole silly thing about, you know, the fair is an amusement park. It's not what we're going for in our family. That's not what? our goal. It's not our goal. Yes. Wait, unpack that a little bit. Well, I, you know, those kids, and I think often the oldest ones are the ones who are saying, they got more, you did this, you were different in this way. You know, whatever, technology is a huge place that lands, but it can even be, they get ice cream more than I do. And to say fair is not what I'm shooting for as a family. That's not my goal. My goal is to parent each of you in terms of what you need. Oh my gosh, I just got it. I'm going to do my best to discern that. 
the people that are listening and watching are probably like, Tony, why did you need that explained? But the fair is <laughs> no. an amusement park. It's not. Yes. That's not fair, mom. That's not fair. It's like the fair yeah. is an amusement park. That is not what we're shooting for. Yeah. I just got it. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. I've had a little bit of coffee. I'm just, everything's going to go really well. Um. Okay. <laughs> we're going to go a little practical and then we're going to get ourselves out of here. Sissy, I can't imagine how hard this question is going to be for you because of the well of knowledge you have okay um but if there was one practical tip i mean i just i don't even know which one you would pull out there's so much good in what you say and the resources that you produce but if there was one okay that you would like to leave with the parents that are listening and watching when it comes to helping little kids process their big feelings if there's one thing that you would say what would it be well, one of the things, one of the mistakes that I feel like parents sometimes fall into that I hear about in this beautiful desire to have kids process, process their feelings, which is so important, is that I think sometimes in the moment, we're trying too hard to get them to process when they're not in a brain that can. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, you probably know this, but when we get really anxious, the blood flow in our brain shifts and it leaves the prefrontal cortex that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. And it goes to the amygdala. That's the fight or flight part of our brain. So when kids are anxious, when they're angry, parents will say to me, they're like a crazy person. Well, right, because the thinking part of their brain isn't even working. And so if if when they're melting down, I'm saying, now tell me why, explain that to me. Tell me what you're feeling in this moment. They don't know. They are blinded by their amygdala. And so I, one of my favorite tools is for families to have a code word. And it's a silly word that everybody comes up with together. A watermelon. Can we order pizza? I don't know why I'm coming up with food related words. But I love whatever the word is. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the word is. And when we say that, that means we're going to pause. And we're all going to take a few minutes and we're going to do some breathing. We're going to do some things that we know get our bodies back to a thinking place. Maybe we separate. Maybe you as the parent lock yourself in your room for a minute if you have to, because that is totally appropriate. Then we're going to come back when everybody's calmed down and we're going to pull out the feelings chart. And then we're going to each say three things we were feeling when we can talk about it and get to a helpful, healthy place, because we're not going to when we're all melting down. Oh, so that pause, maybe that's the best word. The pause. <gasps> I pause love code that. word. I love that because we are just, <laughs> I just can't tell you how many times I wish there was a camera in our house and I'm just like, it's okay. Let's calm down and talk about our feelings. Let's sit down over <laughs> here on the couch. We're going to talk about our feelings. We're going to swim in the ocean of emotion. Aren't we kids? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. And my daughter is like, I am leaving this house. Like it is over. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Because here's why it's so beautiful. I feel like as adults, we're like, oh, yeah, obviously we need a beat. But then when we do it with children, for some reason, it's almost like the rules don't apply to us. And I've been wrestling yeah. and praying through that dynamic, too. We're talking about these like innocent children. I said this on another episode who actually don't require us to be integral or humble because they're little and they're helpless. And the challenge is if we as parents can humble ourselves down to say things like, hey, we're just, I'm just figuring it out. I actually don't know. There's no guide guidebook here. I'm just figuring it out. I'm sorry. Like that requires yeah. humility. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But it requires mm -hmm. humility that we actually don't have to have because this is like a tiny human that doesn't really hold us accountable. And mm -hmm. so 
that type of willpower I've been praying through and processing through and really trying to talk about so that my body can start re- like doing it. And then I love this idea of saying like, this is a small human made in the image of God. Like mm-hmm. this is God's son and daughter too. Mm-hmm. And they need a lot of the things that I need. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm missing that. I'm like, I don't know what that is. But I am trying to view my daughter as an equivalent to me in the way specifically of being a daughter of God who has worth and value and who could take a beat when she's losing it and have a moment to just breathe. Oh, yes, exactly. that's so convicting for me. And I just really love it. Anywho, um, (laughs) I think you're doing amazing. Thank you. Sissy, tell us a little bit about your book. I just, I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited for people to get it. Tell us about well, it. What's your, what's your heart behind it and what's your goal for it? I, I mean, as we're talking about how things have shifted generationally, I really haven't ever seen as many parents feel as discouraged and defeated and anxious and angry, which I talk in the book about how I think anxiety is what's behind that. So much of the time, I don't think it's because you're, that you're angry because you're a bad parent. I think you really want the best for your kids. And I just, it's exactly what you said a minute ago. I'm mad. I'm mad that worry and anxiety are getting in the way of these people that I meet that are amazing people that feel like they can't get to that with their kids. And so I wanted to give really practical, helpful, boots on the ground things you can do and a whole lot of hope to say this doesn't have to define who you are as a person or a parent. Oh, a whole lot of hope. You know, my, my little, one of my little titles is Hope Coach, one of my women on my team called me that and I was like oh I'm gonna steal that forever and ever the worry-free parent I want to be that I'm gonna pledge by the end of the year I'm gonna give myself the end of the year we got a couple months you know what I'm saying like I don't think it's gonna be overnight yeah right we're gonna gonna read your book and we're gonna move towards it and by the end of the year I'm gonna be maybe I'll print myself a little sticker or something like that the worry-free parent (laughs) Maybe we'll get some shirts, sissy, and we could just like Ooh. start wearing. Once someone finishes your book, they can just put the worry-free parent and they just wear it every day. <laughs> We're wearing the same sweats every day anyway, girls. Okay? So just put the shirt on and remind yourself that you too can so be a worry-free good. parent. That's get so excited. Good. Sissy, I'm grateful for you. Um, oh, I'm so grateful for you, yeah. Jamie. So glad to get to meet I you. I am. And I am not because of anything professional, everything personal, because mm. I'm a struggling, worrying parent. That's doing her best. And yeah. so thank you. Mm, thank you for the good you're putting out in the world and the difference you're making. Woo, child. Sissy, you know what? Can you pray us out? I think that's going to be good. Yes, I would I'm love do that. to. Let's yes. pray for these parents. Father, thank you for every parent that is listening to this time. Thank you for Tony and the kindness and the warmth and the humor and the truth that she speaks into their lives. And we just pray that you would equip them with every good thing they need for these kids that you have specifically, purposefully entrusted to them. And Lord, that they would trust you in that and they would trust their guts, that they would know that you're speaking to them in those places. And Father, we thank you for this time and thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do love you, sissy. <laughs> I do. Tony. Hey, fam. I just want to thank you so much 
for listening to the Still Coloring Podcast. I also just wanna say that I do not do this alone. I have an incredible team that helps to make this podcast possible. It's produced by me and my lovely assistant, Amanda Reed. All of the episodes are edited by Robert Elkins. If you love the artwork and the graphics and all the marketing that we do, it's done by Natalie Maxey of Nueva Creative. Also, we have illustration show notes. Head to my website, tonyjcollier.com backslash podcast, and you can download illustrated show notes done by my girl, Emily Mills of Sketch Academy. All right, last thing. If you love listening to the podcast, you are really gonna enjoy watching it. So head on over to my YouTube channel and watch the full episodes done by my girl, Kendall Patterson of Lovely House Media. Let me remind you of something right now. Even when you're in the middle of the greatest pain of your life, even when all hope seems lost, just know that God is in the business of healing and he is still and always will be your ultimate redeemer. Love you.